Welcome to the Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, uh, we will have an interesting discussion on the impact of distraction and disruption on education. We have been talking in the last few episodes about the impact of distraction and disruption on many things around us and in our lifestyle. Joining me today, I have with me Professor Lalit Johari from Oxford and Mr. Gaurav Rastogi from California. Professor Lalit Johari is a senior fellow in international business at Said Business School and director of the Oxford Advanced Management and Leadership Program. His areas of expertise include strategy and leadership in international businesses, alliances including public-private partnerships, public policy and institutional reforms and emerging markets. Lalit is also a member of the International Editorial Board for the International Journal of Emerging Markets and of the Academy of Management. Our second guest for this interesting discussion today is Mr. Gaurav Rastogi. He is co-founder of an artificial intelligence startup, Infinote.com, which he started after a long career in driving sales transformation at an $8 billion software services company. He's also an author who has written two business books. There is a very interesting side of Gaurav. Uh, he is also Ekras Gorak, his spiritual name, and he is the founder of a non-profit Mantra Chakra Foundation that promotes healthy living through meditation and yoga. And he has also authored one meditation ebook and a podcast on meditation called Living Meditation. Hi, Lalit. Hi, Mahesh. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you. Lovely to be here uh, talking to you on Sunday along with uh, Gaurav Rastogi in California. Yeah, that's wonderful. And uh, welcome, Gaurav. Hello, Mahesh. Hello, Professor Lalit. Hi. Good morning. Morning. Yeah, so uh, to to, uh, both of you, Lalit and Gaurav, again, thank you for being on the program. And uh, we have... um, I think a very interesting and a very important subject for, uh, I call it the human race. It's all about education. And um, just a quick recap, in some of the past programs we talked about the, when we were talking about disruption, we talked about the connectivity of human beings, culture, technology, and how they dance together and impact each other. And uh, there I see uh, a very important factor which impacts all of it, how the human race evolves and what's the role of education for a human being to uh, develop cultures, develop technologies. So in the current environment of these constant disruptions and uh, distractions we are seeing and also a lot of innovation happening, it looks like Education itself is being innovated. A lot of impacts coming from technologies around and and the massive changes coming around. 
So that's my uh, first pointer to start today's discussion. How is education itself being innovated? So Mahesh, I think your initial observation is uh, right uh, in the sense that uh, any form of disruption, whether it's digital or non-digital, can have both uh, very positive functional impacts as well as very negative dysfunctional impacts. So I think it will be, my my initial focus will be to look at the positive side and then maybe uh, in the second part of this conversation we can look at the the negative side and the dysfunctional aspects of uh, disruptions, uh, particularly the digital disruptions. Well, that's fantastic. So, um, uh, Mahesh and Gaurav, uh, one of the things that I would like to start with is to have some kind of uh, common understanding about the purpose of the education. Because um, a lot of countries, I mean, I've been personally involved in transforming the education in many countries, including some uh, extreme societies like Saudi Arabia. And what I find is that uh, a lot of educational, the focus of education is to help people find jobs. And that I'm sure both of you will agree would also be true about a country like India. But um, in a city like Oxford, uh, we look at education in a more comprehensive way. And as Mahesh, you said, uh, we believe that the basic purpose of education is to to educate people for the advancement of uh, the societies. And uh, we do this, we educate people by creating self-awareness and helping them to reflect. It's not just about knowledge, it is also about understanding um, who I am and why I am kind of questions. Because if we can uh, help them to reflect on um, the who and the why aspect of uh, their uh, being, then we will be able to help them to find a purpose in life. And as you know, a man or a woman without purpose in life uh, is not necessarily uh, 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 one of the the, the elements which is going to contribute to the advancement of societies. And um, in addition to uh, be able to reflect, we also uh, think that we help them to think, which is important. Uh, we enable them to do a reasoning by finding the meaning and then deciding whether the, the meaning is right or wrong. So interpretation and reasoning. Um, value, um, values, personal values. We help them to, we inspire them to adopt appropriate values which are good for the advancement of uh, societies and uh, we, we, the education helps them to develop their sense of imagination, creativity and innovation. 
and uh, particularly at the level of kindergarten we uh, enrich their instinct for curiosity when they ask some very innocent questions the little kids in the class and of course uh, problem solving is a well known uh, objective of education and then also the doing skills so in my uh, world of thinking some of the most obvious uh, reasons for education which is solving problem and doing skills are amongst the so called uh, uh, lower level um, um very basic level uh, applications of the education for me the more fundamental uh, aspects of education relate to being able to reflect being able to think be able to do reasoning uh, adopt appropriate values and curiosity and um, sense of judgment etc etc that's what i think is the basic uh, purpose and the objective of education and you know lalit uh, listening to you you kind of summarize so well that what part of education uh, can be impacted by even the digital disruption and 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 the way you you classified the higher level of or the purpose of education which is ability to reflect think curiosity judgment yeah now if we take at one end of the spectrum this one the other is problem solving and doing things and now you see what could technology or could the destruction or destruction impact i don't think the top end can be as much impacted that's my initial reaction to it like ability to reflect think curiosity yeah, yeah you are absolutely right mahesh in fact uh, uh, in one of the other conversation that i was uh, Uh, engaged in um, my argument was that if you were to sort of develop a uh, sort of matrix that where the digital uh, disruption or non digital disruption is likely to impact the education then uh, i could uh, barely identify uh, two areas one it can help in memorizing so if you are if you want to become a uh, quiz master or a quiz champion then it can help definitely secondly it can help in enhancing your analytical power but only by helping you to create alternate options it still doesn't uh, disrupt your ability to make a final choice and there is there is ample evidence uh, in in extreme technology domains like uh, nasa where a lot of um, extreme situation uh, alternate choices were generated but the final choice was based based more on judgment and a uh, 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 a kind of risk taking uh, behavior of the where it's not going to disrupt at the moment because of the limitation of technologies and how the human mind has evolved over um, millions of generations it will be very difficult to develop the art of uh, judgment um, very difficult even if you take the storytelling route of creating the values we again find that storytelling without emotion really does not make any impact 
imagination it doesn't help you know very special skills like inspiring transforming resolving conflicts uh, in multi party negotiations for example uh, the art of self reflections is not going to disrupt or it is there's no evidence that it is disrupted and that's one of the reason that uh, some of the ancient universities like oxford where the higher order purpose and the objectives are more critical than memorizing and just creating options um, we are thriving and the number of applications for our uh, traditional courses has been rising uh, year after year and uh, i would say we are also rather very slow in uh, adopting the digital technologies but you but you you bring a very good point lalit because if you look at it that memorizing part of it or imparting the basics yeah. you can do that but you can't learn inspiring and and how do you do self reflection and yeah. and and building capability to to develop uh, your judgmental quality how you make judgments and curiosity because let's say in us there are more than 1500 places where you are teaching economics 101 All right. Yeah. Same book being used everywhere. You may decide that I don't need fifteen hundred teachers. I use technology and I impart to them the same message because it's one on one basic. So yeah. it could be marginal cost curve. It's not going to change. But to get into the deeper part of education, which is really the life changing and which builds the character and your capability, is what you listed. All of them. inspiring resolving conflict art of self reflection you know yeah. creativity innovation that's that's important part which probably yeah. may not get disrupted as quickly or or, or probably not at all so uh, yeah. you know it's it's uh, going in a, in a wonderful direction lalit we will take a quick break and we'll continue our discussion after the break Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand 
I have with me Professor Valijori from Oxford and Gaurav Rastogi from California. And uh, we started with a very interesting discussion about education. We were talking in the earlier segment, how is education itself being innovated? And uh, Lalit, thank you so much for giving us uh, such a good insight into the education. And uh, uh, Gaurav, you, you want to take up from here? Thanks, Mahesh. So, Professor Lalit, uh, really fascinating inputs, uh, and and I'm reminded that how being more than a thousand year old uh, university gives uh, your you know representing Oxford gives gives your uh, your <clears throat> your statements a lot more depth and and historical uh, uh, relevance. So, uh, my next question is going to be, uh, if you look at the transfer of culture from generation to generation versus the transfer and teaching of technology from generation to generation, is it, uh, is it uh, like Mahesh was asking earlier, the disruptions that are coming in, they're more on the technology transfer side, but the role of the education system to transfer culture and create free standing, free upstanding, and free thinking citizen is deeper than ever before. Oh, absolutely. Completely, absolutely. In fact, you can deculturalize a society through digital disruption, and that is exactly the attempt which is being made in India at the moment. The right-wing government is uh, rewriting the science. They are... Uh, using the WhatsApp, uh, they have an army of uh, people who are writing all sorts of uh, messages which are uh, pretty counter uh, productive from the point of view of growing a society. And uh, that I would uh, say is the dysfunctional part of the impact or the negative impact of digital disruption that the technology has allowed. Um, people with very biased and uh, uh, often ignorant minds to to abuse uh, what is already has been tested and verified uh, not by one, not by two, but thousands and thousands of thinkers and scientists. But coming to the positive side of your question, that what about the technology and the culture? Now. Um, we know that the transmission of culture happens through conversations because culture is not information. If culture was pure information, yes, you can use technology. Culture is information, emotions, intrigue, rhetoric. It has so many nuanced compositions which if if they are not properly understood by by people then my feeling is that you can train them for the doing part but you may not be able to ever give them a meaning of why we are doing it now I, I do see your point in terms of the application of uh, of uh, technologies let's say in a university like uh, Oxford so we do use a lot of digital simulators in uh, designing new drugs and testing the new drugs. So now this I will call is a very functional uh, impact or positive impact of disruption. And, you know, we are uh, at the forefront here of designing uh, 
new drugs and uh, testing new drugs and vaccines both collaboratively with global pharma companies as well as on our own and uh, in many countries it's becoming very difficult to test the drugs and also as you know that the cost of uh, designing and developing new drugs and vaccines is very high so we do use uh, digital or computer based models and simulators to do the testing of the the design and testing of the uh, new uh, drugs and vaccines um, uh, we also know that a lot of global corporations are using um, digi- digital tutorials to train their salesmen and accountants so these days uh, here in uk uh, you will not find many face to face executive programs for developing the the skills in a salesman a uh, lot of these global corporations what they have done they have developed these digital tutorials where the salesman in the company can um, in their free time can uh, you know play around with these tutorials and memorize these codes and the techniques etc etc and then also they can self test because in the tutorial you also have a testing mechanism now i would say this is a positive or a functional impact because it reduces the cost to the company it also makes it pretty comprehensive but uh, how much of that learning gets ultimately translated into action when the salesman is face to face with the buyer uh, my feeling is that there will be some limitations so in conclusion uh, my answer would be that uh, we are sitting on a scale which has two ends uh, things which can uh, be done in a very significant positive way um, through the digital technologies uh, we are <clears throat> on the other extreme where technologies can create massive negative impacts uh, and then in the middle we find that there is a uh, zone where even the most advanced science can now be uh, simulated to 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 provide a opportunity to the to the organizations uh, in terms of reducing the time and cutting the cost for the design and development of the products i also understand that in some countries they are using um, the digital um, Uh, technologies or platforms for teaching for example uh, in the past if you if you had to train uh, students in clinical services or surgical uh, wards then uh, uh, we could see the whole crowd the class coming in into the ward and then you know crowding around the doctors but now i understand that through remote technology mechanisms you can uh, you know have a synchronized uh, uh, exhibition of the surgical operation in sweden there is a university which is um, which is connecting its uh, students who are working in the villages medical students who are working in the villages and uh, they never miss their classes because their lessons are delivered and when the 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 main hospital is doing surgery then all the lessons are 
transmitted to these students who are working in villages and the students can pick case studies from their own village and bring it to the main table so we do see that there is a massive positive impact of digital technologies in certain areas but then on there are other areas where it's not being applied in a very extensive and a very meaningful way because of the limitations of the technology and the way human brain is wired to to perform certain uh, very sophisticated uh, tasks so um, are you seeing this uh, professor a shift uh, in the universities across the world where they their their role as a uh, as a center for education on the technology versus their role as a center for education on or, or transfer of culture that they're adopting different strategies for both and Absolutely. on the cultural cultural side are you seeing universities take that task up up differently from how they've done this before yes absolutely i mean um, you know there was a time about uh, seven or eight years back a lot of universities uh, started to offer their uh, as mahesh said economics 101 or statistics 101 or accounting 101 uh, the so called moocs and uh, the student had greater accessibility and choice they could actually customize what they from where they would like to pick up certain courses and then edx platform of um, harvard and mit and i think one more institution so uh, there were experiments and there was a lot of buzz but suddenly when i go to study the education the literature in the field of education i don't see that buzz because the limitations of these uh, <clears throat> um, technological platforms have are now becoming clearer and clearer in the sense that physical accessibility yes but education is not just about physical accessibility or or uh, education is not just about uh, uh, you know uh, being able to get a tutorial on uh, break even analysis education is much more than that now where i see a very positive transformation in the traditional university is the migration to e journals uh, because e journals have provided a wider deeper and faster dissemination of knowledge and uh, it also is very convenient i mean uh, most of us that will be true about teachers even in Uh, middle income and some of the low income countries sitting on their desktop in their school they can access uh, electronic journals depending on the level of subscription they can access 4000 or 10000 journals now that's that's a big uh, boon i would say of the digital uh, disruption and and i won't be surprised if some of the universities will stop expanding their uh, physical infrastructure for organizing the libraries because uh, this is one of the most uh, capital and labor intensive asset of any university maintaining a library and oxford maintaining bodleian library which is one of the best universities in the world we know it what effort and money it takes to 
to to um, to manage uh, the the best library in the world. But I would be surprised if uh, some of the local universities and colleges lacking resources might simply think in terms of e-libraries rather than uh, physical libraries. So again, uh, uh, the the universities which are uh, which carry the deeper meaning of education in terms of their own purpose, institutional purpose. are taking a very cautious view of uh, digital technologies they are not uh, uh, in a hurry they are not replacing their traditional models and uh, we also find that following the financial meltdown of 2008 there is a new resurgence in terms of studying uh, philosophy so take for example mckenzie mckenzie do lots of recruitment from our uh, schools of philosophy and political science and economics in the past they used to only come to the business school or the technology schools but now they go everywhere including the medical school so the the employers themselves are now uh, providing that signal to the universities that look uh, be wary of uh, you know imposing uh, limitations of the technology in terms of how you are going to educate the students so that that would be my um, answer to your question oh that's fantastic lalit uh, i know this is very good topic we want to continue discussing but unfortunately we will take a short break and we'll continue our discussions after the break us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business and more on demand fascinating discussion on education with professor lalit and uh, gorov what is education why it's so important what part of it uh, probably cannot be replaced by technology probably they will have some impact in future but some very essential part where human beings have to still play a very important role uh, we'll now move on to uh, what is the impact of new media on education 
Do you want to start on this, uh, Gaurav? Sure. Professor Lalit, um, there are two ways we could handle this question. The first is uh, the rise of social media and and uh, self-learning technologies. That's one. The other way uh, that I'd, I'd like to ask you is, are you seeing the distractions and sort of the lowering of the attention span? How does that have an impact on the quality of education as well as educational strategies that uh, that an institute might adopt? So, distraction, you are taking a physical meaning or distraction away from the established values? Are you taking a uh, sort of... Uh, sociological meaning of dis- distraction or physical meaning of distraction so as uh, as as someone who needs to learn uh, it, it requires me to commit a lot of information to memory and be able to connect a lot of disparate points in order to understand things completely but if my attention span has been lowered because i'm distracted by social media or whatever then i cannot comprehend a complex subject because I can't hold all the parts in my head simultaneously. So does that change how much or what kind of learning I might uh, receive? Education, yes. I might. Yeah, so I have re- I've seen a lot of uh, interesting research on this and uh, one of the words that comes to mind is the eco chamber. So one of the very poor outcomes of uh, by the way, I'm not on any of the social media. Let me uh, make it very clear. So I have a very neutral perspective <laughs> on all the social media. So you're not distracted at all, Lalit. <laughs> I'm not distracted at all. And at the same time, I'm also not uh, poorly informed because I attend uh, several seminars which are of public seminars and lectures held in Oxford every week. Now, the eco chamber effect. What happens is people, like minded people who think alike, whether right or wrong, they come together and create a volume of noise as if that is the principle for the day. Wow, very well said. <laughs> and it may not be true. And it may not yeah. be true at all. Yeah. So you are misinforming, you are enabling a society to misjudge things. So, I've also seen research where, uh, particularly amongst the executives, where social media has played a positive role as well as a negative role. Social media has put criticism of certain practices by the corporates has exercised pressure on the corporate leaders to address those uh, malpractices or acts of misgovernance. I like that. Society needs that. However, with so much noise, unfiltered noise on the media, which part of the criticism of the corporate practices and leaders' behavior is right or wrong, legitimate or illegitimate, often it can be very confusing for the senior executives. So, amongst the circle of friends that I have in the corporate sector and the community of professionals, 
many many of those professionals are actually gradually withdrawing from uh, you know investing too much time on the social media or expressing their own opinions on the social media so initially i mean i would call it the educational phase of social media according to me if the regulation comes in thanks to the hearings at the senate level and the congress level if there is a regulation which comes in if there is a clean up of social media if there is a greater degree of sanity in the social media with greater degree of uh, regulation in terms of what kind of voices should be allowed to to participate on social media there is a hope for social media if in the name of freedom of speech in the name of creating a massive following base more as a personal ego rather than an act of creating a piece of wisdom or intelligence then my feeling is that social media will become as you said a massive destruction distraction but also an element of destruction that's interesting now um, are, are you seeing over the over the years that people are have shorter attention spans and does that impact how you are going to address their education so i i work with um, i mean i come face to face with a lot of uh, research and development scientists uh, they are a different breed of people i mean they are not affected by what is going on in social media i mean they 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 live in their own scientific community i don't think these people are going to be affected by the social media um, most people who are coming face to face directly into the public and the participation in public affairs my feeling is uh, yes you are right they will have to pay a lot of attention to what is being uh, said in the medium uh, the the social media about uh, their organizations about their behavior about their opinions and um, that will have to change and as i said today the the key to the success of social media is in the hands of the regulators and and if the regulators don't come in uh, in a very sort of rational but in a very sort of uh, rational aggressive way to punish um, people who are distorting information and distorting established Uh, verified facts and then creating this whole industry of uh, fake news and fake scientific constructs and fake fake sociological construct um, my my feeling is that that's the greatest disservice uh, we will be allowing people to do to the human mankind i think that lalit you bring in a very good point the free run or allowing free wheeling on social media can spread any kind of information and i have heard young kids talking to each other and i heard that terminology hey, what what you're talking about is whatsapp knowledge so so they call this is a different set of knowledge that they don't trust because anybody can put anything there and it's not necessary it's true 
So even even the publications earlier, uh, when you were talking, I was listening to it. Today it's so easy; you can publish anything, and you can reach million or billions of people. The earlier methodology—I'm not saying what is right, what is wrong—both have advantages. There were too many filters to improve yeah, the, the quality the as well as peer, yeah peer peer review. Yeah, I mean, the, the, if you look at uh, <clears throat> how the science has evolved. Let's take the Renaissance period onwards. Renaissance period onwards, the scientific thought has evolved in terms of it. You used a very nice term through a process of iteration, and uh, there was a time when uh, the the church will review the the. idea of a scientist like it or not mm. most of the time they will get very angry because it was at a deviance with the established thought in a particular religion but then over a period of time when the scientific community grew and expanded so we perfected this art of peer group uh, peer review and that institution has created um knowledge which is highly validated not always not in all disciplines because some disciplines are dynamic where theories keep changing for example the social science theories keep changing all the time but you're absolutely right unfiltered unreviewed knowledge becomes a danger to the society yeah so so basically yes there could be some uh, uh negative imp- there are some negative impacts in terms of uh, the quality of information which can be construed as uh, an acquisition of knowledge because you're collecting that information can be affecting adversely but the if there was a smart person he can use it to propagate through social media the correct information and it it is a vehicle which can be very useful to reach the masses um let's say in poor countries also where they have cell phones and their medium of communication with the right information it is huge value that social media if the quality of it, uh, information being passed on is useful and correct and if it is not then it has got a massive destructive effort no doubt to your question uh, um gaurav as uh, professor lalit said that hey, yes it's a distraction he's is not an it but is very well informed about it so you can be very well informed about the impact of social media uh, even when you're avoiding the destructive impact of it by not becoming a slave of it or being driven by it that's one part of it so Yeah. So, so what I see here is negative is yes, there is distraction, absolutely, because not focused. The good part is, if there is a regulation, I think as Professor uh, Lalit said, there is a regulation and the quality of information and knowledge being passed on is controlled. This could be a massive tool to reach out to masses in the shortest period of time, it, and it could be a cause for uh, well-being of the human society. Uh, we'll take a quick short break here, and we will continue our fascinating discussions after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, and uh, we are having a very interesting discussion on uh, the impact of distraction and destruction on education. Um, Gaurav, we, we discussed quite a bit on the positive and negative impact of social media, or I would, I would rather say the new media on education. Uh, would you like to continue further from here in this segment? Sure. Thanks, Mahesh. So, Professor Lalit, uh, we're seeing that uh, the old playbooks are changing uh, in terms of how people in the professional world uh, acquiring knowledge at the beginning of the career is not enough. Now you need to keep going back to school to uh, to learn new things. For example, all the data science work means that executives, even at the top end of the company, need to be aware of what all is possible with you know, data science, big data, AI, and so on. So would you would you say, uh, are you seeing that executives are now coming back to learn a lot more frequently as they should? And how are our schools adjusting to this older wo- uh, sort of workforce that's coming back for education? So <clears throat> quite a few observations that I can share with you. First, a general observation that some of the researchers have indicated that there is a massive, massive opportunity in in education because in the next couple of years, close to about 5 billion people will be asking for education. Is that right? Absolutely. Wow. At every, uh, in every demographic segment, not just the 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 three plus two three three year plus two twenty five year even up to the age of sixty sixty five people would be asking for education so there's a massive opportunity this is a time to invest in uh, educating these five billion people and Nale, just to add to that I have seen in yeah. Oxford 
in the Oxford Advanced Management Leadership Program, somebody at the age of 68 coming to attend it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I'm always uh, dreaming of a uh, stage in my life when I would enroll uh, in philosophy undergraduate program. (laughs) 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 Now, coming back to Gaurav's uh, specific questions about executive education. So, Gaurav, uh, I will add one more word to the two words that you said. Now, executives cannot learn unless they unlearn. And you only unlearn when there are people around you to challenge your thinking. Technological medium is very passive to be able to challenge people's ideas. Mahesh will recall because he came to one of my programs where unlearning is the fundamental paradigm for relearning. So, indeed, not only executives will have to go back to the colleges or learning communities because it is not necessary that you have to be in a university to be able to learn. You could as well be a part of a uh, community which is informal community and uh, addressing issues in a very sort of uh, systematic and organized way to be able to um, reflect on things and find out what is good and what is not good and what needs to be undone and what needs to be redone or relearned and uh, redone etc etc so again I would say particularly amongst the senior executives our research has shown it's on our website as well that senior executives learn through the power of conversations with people coming from other cultures. So that brings in the element of internationality or the diversity of ideas. So when the senior executives from United States come into my program and sit along with nationalities from 25 other countries, Southeast Asia, South Asia, Far East, again using the UK terminology, I'm referring to Korea, Japan, uh, Pacific, Australasia, Africa, Latin America, Canada, of course Europe and then Russia. In a, in a conversation running for one hour, they will be learning much more and unlearning much more then they will be able to do when they are sitting in the isolation of their uh, office or their uh, uh, bedroom where they are just sitting face to face next to an electronic screen and working on their desktop. Learning doesn't happen that way amongst the senior executives. Now, can yeah. I, I, I'm just reinforcing. I don't want to bring your, uh, uh, break your chain of thought. My personal experience at Oxford, plus many others, and you very rightly said when different executives come into play, when you are learning sitting in front of a computer, you're mostly reinforcing what you know plus something more. And then your level of acceptance of the new knowledge gets 
kind of compared with what you already know and you're a little bit judgmental in your learning too that what you want to learn because you think you know what you know but in the environment of conversation so let's say the program at Oxford or anywhere when you're sitting in conversation if you take all the statues out if you're at the ground zero of discussion uh, normally you find more than one solution to every problem and that's where it makes you humble that it's not true that what you think always is true and there are many other ways to do it. So, so that's what brings down your unlearning very quickly. It, it's a very fast-paced learning and that opens your mind within the next two to three days. Hey, listen, in this community I have to learn because there's so much to learn from everybody here because they all know to solve the same problem very differently and all of them have been successful especially if you want to be a real global executive you have to respect all of it because there is no one solution and that one solution normally is uh, for any executive the home solution where you live where your home is whichever continent it is but that has an overpowering impact absolutely i mean just to give me give another example to gaurav so gaurav imagine class of 40 and 40 senior executives and let's say about 25 nationalities and the, the framework for conversation is climate change. Now, in your own industry context, in your own country context, you may be familiar with two or three interpretations and manifestations of climate change. But when you are sitting with 25, 30 different nationalities, now you will have more than 30 scenarios of climate change. Somewhere the climate change can mean food shortages. Somewhere it means disease. Somewhere it means geopolitical tensions. Somewhere it can mean uh, more uh, the risk premium by the insurance industry has to go up. Somewhere it means more violent storms. Now, look at the, the sort of Lalit, sorry to interrupt you. Your voice is fading a little bit. Is it okay now? Yeah, yeah, we can continue. Sorry for interruption. <laughs> yes, better. Thanks. So I was giving the example of uh, what will happen in a typical class here at, in Oxford in our programs, senior executive programs. Forty senior executives from twenty-five different countries, and if your theme for discussion is climate change then you come to the class with your perspective which is narrowed down by the the narrative in your country and the narrative in your industry. But the moment you listen to the other uh, 24 nationalities, suddenly you find that climate change is not just about uh, uh, water shortages. It's not just about more rain and more thunderstorms. It's also about disease, it's about food shortages, it's about floods, it's about damage to the housing property, it's about damage, the disruption of the supply chains, as it happened when the tsunami came to uh, Japan. So that is the power of face-to-face -face conversational learning. And my feeling is today, even if we are using artificial intelligence or delivery power of technology, as of today, it is not very easy to replicate this experience. Karan. So yeah. I, the, the ability for dialogues um, 
to change perspective. Yeah. Um, that cannot be replicated on technology because as you were saying earlier, echo chambers are set in and most people go online to reinforce what they already believe rather than be challenged and uh, presented new perspectives. Yes. So um, thank you, Lalit. I know it's fascinating discussion. And thank you, Gaurav. We are almost heading to uh, the end of our program. So very fascinating discussion. And, and you know, I, I hope my research is not impacted by the, the negative impact of social media. But uh, <laughs> for some time, I was looking at some numbers on education. And I found that uh, uh, some of the statistics say that doubling the number of universities results in any country uh, a 4% higher GDP per capita for the region just by educating the masses. And also uh, somewhere I found that uh, it's very difficult for a country to show steady economic growth uh, with, without breaching the level of 40% literacy rate. You have to have more than that to have steady economic growth. And I don't know what would happen if it is not there. And also for individuals, it says that the average income uh, grows 10% for every year of education. And and there are, let's see the impact on HIV. They say that the risk goes down by 75% if some if people are acquiring secondary education. And I also saw the child mortality that for every year of education of mother, it lowers almost 2% child mortality rate. And, and again, you see, if the mother is educated, and the children born to educated mothers are 50% more likely to live past age of five. Now, when you talk about, we're talking about globally, and uh, while uh, I gave you the statistics and having the discussion on the good and bad of social media, I have to put a disclaimer that I hope this has come from the research media I use, which is true information. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Lalit, well, thank you, Gaurav, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Lalit for a very fascinating discussion today.